In recognizing the humanity of our fellow beings, we pay ourselves the highest tribute. Thurgood Marshall Okay, guys, here we are. Happy Black History Month. Okay, here we go. Good evening, everybody. We have officially survived the first week of the second month. Here we are. So, but you know what it's all about? It's more than surviving. It's living. You know what I mean? So, I'm really excited to to be here with you guys this month, especially um, I love Black History Month. It's like, of course, you know, every day is Black History Month. Of course, we know that. But, um, you know, it's a special time to, like, celebrate, to learn, to commemorate. And so I really, really love it. Um, yeah, you know, this week, I just wanted to, like, kind of, like, touch on a couple of things. Um, before that, though, let's talk about a couple things that's been happening, like, you know, in, like, the hip-hop music world, okay? Savage 21, yo, what is going on? Like, you know, for those of you who don't know by now, who haven't seen the name, Savage 21 was arrested earlier this week by ICE. Um, and then that's when we found out that he's British, and we're like, okay. Like, what was that one name? Um, like, I didn't know we had a... You know, a Sir, Sir Savage 21 living amongst our lids. So, um, that was kind of like a shocker. And so, you know, we're still waiting like for more details and stuff. But basically what it comes down to, you know, he came here when he was really young with his parents. Um, his parents, like a lot of, um, people have done in the past, overstayed their work visa. So... You know, it kind of sucks because it's like, dang, parents, like, why'd you do that, though? You should have just applied again. But, you know, it is what it is, right? So, you know, coming into, like, you know, the future or whatever. Um, he did apply for his own, you know, visa so that he can go ahead and do his thing, right? But, you know, any of us who know people who have gone through, like, the immigration process know that immigration court and like those cases take forever like legit it like you might get one court date and then get your next court date in a year so it's not just like oh yeah you put in your petition or whatever and then um beam bomb boom in like a year you've got your whole situation figured out if you're lucky or, you know, depending on which side of that you're, you know, you're looking at. Um, if you're lucky, you get it resolved quickly, but it really depends. And um, especially when it's like a more complicated case where, you know, it's like this, you know, actually one that he entered in as a minor. So that's different. That's not just straight up. He came here illegally. No, he came here legally one. And then... He came in originally as a minor. So that has its own implications and its own thing. Um, it's interesting that he hasn't been charged with anything. So I don't know what's going on with that. I hope to hear some more like details. I don't know. His manager seems to be the one um, spilling the beans. So let's wait to see what's going on. I'm not a lawyer. You know, I'm much less an immigration lawyer. Wow, Sunny. Thanks for being super loud. My dog's here, you guys. Sunny, say hi. I think she's scared of the microphone. Okay, she just sniffed the microphone. Anyways. um, So, I'm not a lawyer. But, like, you know. Like, I'm sure he qualifies for some type of relief. Like, I'm pretty sure he could just pay the $100,000 it takes to, like, apply or to count as, like, an investor and, like, get, like, one of those investor visas. Like, I'm sure they'll figure it out. Anyways, my thoughts and prayers to his family because, you know, he's got kids out here and stuff. And, um, thoughts and prayers to, to his family. Thoughts and prayers to him. You know, hashtag, you know, free 21 Savage. So, let's see what's going on. Another thing. 
this is like if anything the thing that bothered me a lot <laughs> the oscars are coming up not the oscars the grammys are coming up they are doing a motown tribute during the grammys and i'm gonna laugh because it's so ridiculous it's funny j-lo is slated to do the motown tribute now Look, I don't care if you like J-Lo or not. I don't care if you're a fan of hers or not. I don't care if you're a fan of Motown or not. Let's get one thing straight. Out of all the people in all the world, in all of the United States, they chose J-Lo? Now, I know there's a lot of black artists who are turning down to perform. That's fine. J-Lo? <laughs> like, my one question is, why? My second question is, J-Lo? Oh my god, my brother scared the heck out of me because there's a freaking box on the fence. Son, stop being a jerk! <laughs> like, I'm glad you guys get to lose this. This is my knife right here. My dog's being a jerk to um a possum that's outside. Anyways, but yeah, so J-Lo, like, and it's incredible to me, because J-Lo, look, like I said, I don't care if you're not, like, if you're a fan of hers or not, objectively, she really can't sing. She does not have a good singing voice. Objectively, even if she can sort of, like, carry a tune, she doesn't have the soul to do a Motown tribute. So, I, like, J-Lo as this person, this delegated person, that's crazy to me. That's craziness, but whatever. Like, I know a lot of people are like, why did they pick J-Lo? She's not even black. Look, I don't even care if she's black or not. Because guess what? They could have picked, they could have picked Pink. Pink has more soul. They could have picked Christina Aguilera. These are two... You know, one is white, one is Hispanic. These are two different women who have amazing, you know, like, amazing range, one, and, like, they just have, like, this beautiful, like, soulful voice that they can really capture what it is to do a tribute to Motown. If you had to pick someone who wasn't black, these are the two people that, you know, the picked. They, like, I'm, I'm not even going to go through a list of different people that they could have picked who are black that could have done a tribute to Motown. They could have picked Boys to Men. They could have picked 112. They could have picked B2K since, you know, these are the years of all the 90s reunions. You know what I mean? They could have picked um, Usher. They could have picked who else, who else, who else. They could have picked The Weeknd. They could, I mean, I can, like, the list can go on and on and on. Lots of variety, both in, like, you know, like, the male side and the female side. Female side, they could have picked Erykah Badu. They could have picked Lauren Hill. They could have picked, uh, let's see, Jasmine Sullivan, Jill Scott, um, Andra Day, Stevie Wonder. Like, I mean, there are too many people who are alive that could have done this, and it would have all been better choices than J-Lo. They could have picked, if you wanted to pick someone with some soul in their voice, let me give you three other white people that they could have picked over J-Lo, or non-black people, excuse me. Because, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole white, non, whatever. That's a conversation for a different day, right? The whole non-white, white, Hispanic, blah, blah, blah. Three other non-black people, like non-people of color, who could have done this job, okay? Alex Clare. If you don't know who he is, look him up from the UK. Amazing voice like butter. To me, the male Adele. Anyways. Because uh, also from the UK, they could have picked Sam Smith. Great range, beautiful voice, great, you know, like, just like soulful as well. Adele. I mean, they get, like, there's just too many people. They could have picked Estelle, also from the UK. She is a person of color, but from the UK. There are just too many. Mary J. Blythe. Like, I just keep saying names, and names keep popping out, because there are too many people 
who they could have picked to do this. They could pick Chaka Khan. They could, I mean, there are like Patty LaBelle, Gladys Knight. I mean, there are way too many people. It's not about age. It's not about, you know, race. Like, because there are too many people who break those barriers to pick. J-Lo? Jennifer Lopez? Jenny from the Black? Is not the person to do this Motown tribute. I'm very curious to see how it goes. I don't know. I just keep expecting it to be like Fergie when she did the national anthem. It's going to be a train wreck, but I'm going to keep watching. I want like that gif of like Steph Curry trying not to laugh. Okay, because that's going to be me. Okay, guys, I'm done. I promise. We'll move on. And then really random, um, like random thing for the week. There's a petition to get Pitbull to perform at the next Super Bowl. I think it's the next Super Bowl, the one that's supposed to be here in Miami, which should be interesting. But yeah, there's like a legit petition of people who are like, yeah, we want Pitbull to perform at the Super Bowl. And I'm just like, why? I love Pitbull. Let me say that right here, right now, in front of you guys. I love Pitbull. I love Armando Cristian Perez, okay? That is, like, I've been in love with him since, like, the sixth grade, legit. Um, if I ever get to meet him in person, I think I'll fall out. I think I'll faint. I love him. He has a very wide selection of music to to pick from. Is that the best Miami has to offer musically, though, to, to offer up as, like, the sacrifice for the Super Bowl halftime show? Now, it would be a fun show... But is this the best that we have to offer? I want all of us to look inside ourselves. Or you know what? Not us. I want all the people who signed this petition to look inside themselves and really decide, is my is, is people who we want representing us? I don't I don't know the answer to that. I I don't even know the answer myself because I'm just kinda like, well, I kinda wanna see it. But also I don't know. Like, am I ready for that? I don't think the world is ready for Pitbull to have his own Super Bowl halftime show to perform. I, No one's ready for that. We're not ready. You're not ready. Let's just maybe in another, like, 10 years or so. Alright, in other actual important news. <laughs> um, This week was a week. It was a week, man. And, and, you know, like I said, first week of February, here we are. Um, The State of the Union Address was this week, you know. Um, as we all know, once a year, the president um, gets invited to come and give the State of the Union Address to Congress. Kind of recapping the year, outlining some goals, you know, a general briefing for, you know, for Congress. Okay, cool. This is what we've done. This is where we're going. This is how things, how I see it, whatever. Everyone, every president does it every year. Before I even say anything else, let me just remind you guys in this February, something, you know, that Malcolm X famously said, he said, you're not to be so blinded with patriotism that you can't face reality. Wrong is wrong, no matter who does it or says it. For those of you who have not read Malcolm X's biography or maybe had not heard that before, it's kind of like um, where that one Captain America panel where he's just like, yeah, you know, like, I mean, for those of you guys who read comics, you know what I'm talking about. It, flo- it floats around every once in a while, especially now um, in this time of, of our nation's history, right? It's like, oh yeah, plant yourself and blah, blah, blah. And when the world tells you to move, you tell them, no, you move and whatever. It's about being right and like, you know, like sticking to your convictions and like when wrong is wrong, wrong is wrong. That being said, oh my God, this State of the Union address really 
made my head explode. Um, had I been playing a drinking game, I think I would have been sent to the hospital with alcohol poisoning just on every time that I, like, you know, just wanted to cringe at, like, the foolishness that was being said. But the silver lining this year was that, you know, Nancy Pelosi was sitting right behind Trump, and I love it. I loved being able to see her facial reactions right behind him, live, and be playing directo. So that was great. That was, like, perfect. If there was anything that I would want to keep for every State of the Union address, it would be that. It would be Nancy Pelosi's face. We all saw Nancy Pelosi give her her petty clap. That was hilarious. And I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, But, you know, besides that, it's one of those things where it's like a lot of the things that he was saying, it's just like really trying to like, like he says he's like trying to bridge the divide, but he's just trying to divide us more. That's my opinion. That's my opinion whatever if you agree or not that's your thing you're entitled to your opinion but at the end of the day for me it's like shouldn't your love of your country like shouldn't that take the back seat when it comes to like your love of like your fellow man of like your neighbor of you know your family you know what i mean like yeah patriotism is good if we have something to be proud about. And, and you know, this country is a good country for certain things. And, and, and I think that when you love something, and this is like love all across the board, that doesn't mean that like you turn a blind eye to the flaws. That's the way I see it. But anyways, um, <laughs> empathy, compassion... Like, does any of this ring a bell for, like, people who blindly follow, you know, this kind of, um, who blindly follow this kind of leadership or faux leadership? Because I don't even consider this, like, a real kind of leadership. But, um, anyways. Um, I just want to say he really went hard on this immigration and this wall thing. Like, his comments about El Paso, he says El Paso, and oh my god, like, I lolled, literally. Like, I just started laughing, because I was like, this dude is crazy, like, and, um, if you want to laugh, look up, there's a congresswoman, she's a new congresswoman, I believe she's from El Paso, um, you should look up her, like, her reaction gif, oh my god, she just, like, made, like, the craziest face, she was like, what are you talking about? But, um, anyways, so this quote while he's talking about in El Paso, mind you, I just came from El Paso. Um, obviously, I mean, I don't know the whole entire city, but as far as I saw and as far as I experienced, there's like no wall in El Paso. Is there a brick? Because like between Mexico between Mexico and, and Texas, there's like the Rio Grande, right? But it's dried up. So it's like technically not a river. It's like dried up land. There's space, so that's the border. But as far as I saw, there was no like 50 foot wall or anything, right? Um, then there's other parts. And then, you know, there's like a bridge that you have to cross in order to be able to come to cross, you know, into either country. And, you know, immigration, it's like an immigration checkpoint. You know what I mean? It's a legal port of entry. They check your IDs. They check, you know, your passports, all of those things. If you're coming on foot, they check your bags. If they're, if you're coming in a car, because it's a pedestrian and a car bridge, right? Um, they check your car, make sure you're not bringing in drugs, and then you continue on your way. So, this wall he was talking about, I don't know what he was talking about. There is a part near El Paso where there's fencing. 
see-through fence and it was like a regular old fence that you could see like at any like if any company like wanted to guard their building their HQ or whatever it's like a regular it's like the most regular looking regular schmegular fence you know what I mean um I spent a lot of time looking at the mountains and looking at the neighboring cotton fields through this fence so I don't know it was pretty see-through and like I said, it's not even, like, that large of a fence. The fence might have been, like, 20 feet tall or something. I don't know. I don't know measurements. But when he said, oh, yeah, because, you know, Paso didn't used to have a wall, and then they put up a wall, and, oh, Paso used to be one of the most dangerous cities in the United States, and now it's one of the safest. Um, That's what you call right there, a half-truth. <laughs> what's, what's the half What's the half-truth? The half-truth is, yeah, El Paso is considered one of the most safest cities here in the U.S. Is it bordering Juarez, one of the most dangerous cities in the world? Yes. I'm not even going to say no. Juarez is listed as one of the most dangerous cities in the world. But El Paso has always been a lot safer than Juarez. And so it was really weird that... uh he made it seem like, oh my god, like, El Paso was, like, crawling with criminals and, like, at some point in time. And it's, like, as far as I've seen and read and talked to people, that's not the case. So, um, all of this to say, guys, do your research. Do your research. You can't just take, like, what people say at face value. But, um... Even through that really hard time of having to sit through the State of the Union address, I loved sticking around and being able to watch the Democratic Party response to the State of the Union address. Stacey Abrams, my girl, gave, she was the one who delivered this response on behalf of the Democratic Party, and I loved it because she like, you know, made this speech like a boss. Not boss, boss. B-A-W-S-E, okay? Um, for those of you guys who don't really keep up with politics or anything like that, Stacey Abrams was the first black woman to run for governor of Georgia. She lost, but, like, I mean, narrowly. Narrowly lost. Like, she, you know, she almost had it in the bag. Hopefully next time, right? Um, so, and that was historic in the state of Georgia. Like, I mean, that was a big deal. So, you know, she, she, she ran, you know, she lost, but she's still out there. She's, she's a shaker, you know what I mean? Um, it's cool because she continues to make history. She was the first black woman to give this response. And on top of that, it's not very common for them to pick, like, a non-elected official. So, or an official who's, like, not holding office at, like, at that, um, you know, at that point. So, it was really cool that they picked her to go ahead and give this response. Um, I love the way she speaks. I love listening to her speak. It kind of, like, reminds me of Obama. Because she delivers her, her, you know, her statements, like kind of like warm like she makes you feel like all gooey and like nice inside but also she's really firm on her conviction and she is like super educated and talented so like I, I love watching her speak and so you know she's really inspiring you know um for for those of you who feel like representation is not a big deal or it doesn't matter it does because like at least for me seeing this woman you know she you know she grew up in the south okay mississippi i forgot where she was born i know she grew up in mississippi then moved to georgia but um seeing like this woman you know she went to school you know she got her law degree and she was able to run for for you know state senate or whatever or state house, I'm sorry, um, was elected, was able, you know, to, to be, you know, to ascend into office in, in different ranks. And 
you know, she is this heavy set black woman with her natural hair. Like to see that and the way that she speaks and carries herself and she's so educated and like, you know, she really like cares about the issues, cares about the people. Like to see that I'm like, oh my god, it's so inspiring. Like, wow, we don't get to see that. So you know, like jump on the Stacy train. Like we, you know, I'm like so behind her. I wish her the best because um she's just getting started, man. She's just getting started. But um like I really loved her speech. It was deeply it was deeply personal, very profound, and I loved how she pretty much scolded Trump. So that is always, you know, brownie points of Mildred. <laughs> um, you know, when she when she said the shutdown was a stunt engineered by the president of the United States, one that defied every tenet of fairness and abandoned not just our people but our values. I was like, ooh. I was like, ooh, sister Stacy. Like she is calling him out and I loved it like yes accountability is important in this country my people so um you know we you know we have right here black history in the making we're living it we're seeing it day to day so um I'm really excited to to have to have something to look forward to it's kind of like when you have like a friend or a classmate, I don't know if you guys like ever have this happen or a coworker where you're like, man, that person is meant for great things. And you kind of like stick around them and like you, you know, you stay friends, you keep up with them and you see that they're able to accomplish so much. And, and that gives you pride and joy. And you're like, wow, I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited. That's how I feel with Stacey Abrams. So, you know, we'll continue to be on the lookout for, for you know, what she's up to. I'm really excited. Um, but, yeah, like, if you guys want to check out, like, the transcripts, I'll post the transcripts in the, in the description for both the State of the Union address and for the um, Democratic Party response speech. So you guys can go ahead and read it for yourselves. Or if you rather watch the video, watch the video. Um, you know, so that you guys can decide for yourselves how, how you feel about it, what you like, what you don't like, what you agree, what you agree with. And one thing I always, um, you know, I'll say again, I'm going to post these transcripts, um, up in the, in the, in the description. One thing I always want to remind everybody, check your sources, my peeps check your sources um primary sources are the best hearing it you know that's pretty much hearing it from the horse's mouth primary source is watching like a video of exactly what happened um reading the transcript word for word of what happened if you were there and you witnessed whatever action or blah 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 um that's a primary source you know what i mean and that's always the best thing because it's like you you kind of get like the unfiltered version right um these transcripts are primary sources and so that's why i'm like oh my god i love like posting sources whenever because i want you guys to like check it out for yourself and like really you know see what you want to do with that information um I'm actually going to be posting the political transcripts. So it's like from their website. And I like um what they did because they basically kind of like went through and like as you read, they have like the fact checking and also some like analysis um thrown in there too for both of these speeches. So that's really cool. Um, You know, I'm like, yes, fact checking, let's do it. You can go like, um, it's not like line for line, but like really the major points of, um, what was said in both of these, in both of these, um, um, speeches, you know, after primary sources, we have secondary sources, which would be, 
like kind of like additional commentary so like i said there's like analysis in those transcripts that's like secondary you know what i mean like okay you're kind of like now pushing it through the first filter so um you know recaps are secondary sources highlights i think highlights count as secondary sources i'm not sure i'll have to find out about that but like the news is a secondary source so it's like okay you weren't there you didn't actually watch like whatever it was like the video or whatever but like you saw something like you got the information from a from a secondary source you know what i mean um then you have tertiary sources which is like generally you don't want all your information to come from tertiary sources because that's like another layer of like a filter kind of you know what i mean like hearsay is um a tertiary source um i'm trying to think what would be like another example of a tertiary source um yeah hearsay feels like the best example like you heard it from your friend you heard it like you know from a third person not a person who was there not the second person from removed from the person that was there but like you're getting it from like literally a third layer of um information and so we try that we want to stick to primary sources as much as you can I think of like college papers, you know, like we like Wikipedia I think counts as like a tertiary source if that's any indication. And that's like legit why um college professors hate Wikipedia and they're pretty sure high school teachers do too. Um I feel like sticking to primary sources is like a good thing in life. Like a generally good concept in life, like get the information from like who you need to get it from, not from like anybody else. That's why people are coming with receipts and screenshots now because it's like bring me the transcript, let me read for myself, um, because of that reason. And you know, at the end of the day, you can't just take someone else's word for it. You can't take my word for it. This is me, just kind of like trying to disseminate the information as best as I can, giving my little analysis. You guys, do you know, decide what you want to do with that. I'm always about doing your own research and come to your own conclusions. And, you know, and in your doing your own research, you know, be mindful of the sources of information. Yes, the news, but also kind of like looking at, all right, so this news um, article though, like this news um, magnet, if you will, like, uh, are they truthful? Um, I'm actually going to also post like the media bias link because I don't know if you guys have seen that chart, but it was like a chart that came out like a couple years ago. That was, it floated around, you know, Facebook for a little bit, but it's really cool because it takes like a lot of um, major news outlets and media sources and it'll, and it does like this really cool chart of kind of like where they lean so you could kind of see, okay, you know, these news sources that I follow, are they really unbiased or where do they lean? So the, on the spectrum, you know, it has like, you know, left and right you know kind of like you know centrist so it's really it's a really cool thing to to look at and kind of you know you examine like all right maybe i should find a media source that's a little bit more unbiased or what have you and 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 it kind of helps you filter that information even more so that you can really get like the most accurate info um like I said, I'm going to be posting all these links up in the description. So check it out um, and do your thing, my people. And, you know, one thing this Black History Month that I hope we all remember is to celebrate. Um, the other day I was at church and, you know, they were talking about, like, the Jews and, um, you know, everything that their people went through throughout the course of the Bible and stuff, right? And it was just like, you know, one of the things that they were talking about was like remembering to celebrate, like even, 
you know, to celebrate our victories, even though we have hard times, it's like we have good times too. And it's just like, hey, you know, like, don't forget what hurt you, but also remember to learn what you had to from that experience. And so, and then, you know, take that with you, carry that with you and celebrate the good times celebrate you know our people and so i think that's like really important you know um there's a lot of really cool events happening throughout miami throughout the country and so you know i think um you know looking out for those things and participating and lending our support and empowering each other is really important um a couple of things that are happening this actually this weekend tomorrow um dr michael eric dyson is going to be speaking on his latest book i love him he's a great speaker um his book was what truth sounds like rfk james baldwin in our unfinished conversation about race in america i love dr michael eric dyson because he is like he's funny He's relatable. He's super well-educated and articulate and eloquent. Um, and, and, and like, you just have a good time listening to him. Like, he'll make you laugh. He'll make you cry. He'll throw in some biggie, like, in there. Like, I love it. Like, I love listening to him. Um, he's going to be at the Miramar Cultural Center tomorrow at 8 p.m. So, if you, if you get a chance, like, go ahead and check him out. Um, I'll put like the link to to that event up in the description. Um, Miami Dade is actually doing like a lot of different things. Something that's happening um, that's put on by the city or by the county um, this weekend as well is the Black History Month Heritage and Neighborhood Tour. And so basically, they're doing a tour of like all of Miami's like historically black neighborhoods, which is cool. Like, I, I'm really hoping to make it out there. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to go because I've got, like, a couple of things on my calendar for tomorrow. But I'm really hoping I can go. Um, it's kicking off tomorrow at 9 a.m. Um, they're starting off at the Overtown Historic Lyric Theater. So that's, like, really cool. Um, I know I saw on their itinerary they're going to, like, head up to, like, Miami Gardens, Liberty City. So, it, like, and... And, and I'm really excited because, you know, there's a lot of history in those neighborhoods and people just kind of cover it up. And it's not even necessarily because it's black history, to be honest. It's because it's Miami does not like anything old. Like, Miami, if you want to learn about Miami's history, it's like you have to try really hard. You have to dig up information dig up um you know articles dig up interviews more than anything a lot of it's like oral history um and especially so you can imagine especially with like the black neighborhoods there's like a lot of um a lot of history a lot of black history out here and and we just don't know about it and with the black neighborhoods, it's a lot of oral history and a lot of it is also based around churches. So, um, that being said, I find it really cool and awesome that they're starting this in Overtown because like, this is something we'll get into in a deep phase um, on here. But like, Overtown was basically like Harlem of the South in its heyday. So it's kind of crazy to see where Overtown has come now, but um, but they're really trying to like kind of like bring like highlight that history, bring back that history. So um, you know, if you can get out there and like support, um, that would be cool. I know that event is free. Um, also tomorrow is a couple of events put on by the Trayvon Martin Foundation. Um, so tomorrow it's the seventh annual Peace Walk and Talk out in Miami Gardens. Um, it kicks off at 8 a.m. tomorrow. 
Um, if you need the address, it's 18200 Northwest 27th Avenue. So that's pretty much Miami Gardens. Um, you know, they're going to be doing a walk to highlight um, you know, obviously like gun violence issues. Um, and then that evening, they will also be hosting the Remembrance Gala. And so, you know, they really um, put on these events to increase community participation and engagement. And let me tell you something. I, like, you know, it's kind of that whole, like, don't forget, you know, the things that hurt you, but learn from, you know, like, take what you learn from them. With with Trayvon Martin's family, you know, like, and it's kind of, like, hard to talk about it, right? For me, at least. Because it just gets me all kinds of, like, in my feelings, like, upset, I'm angry. But, um, with his family, they have really done amazing things, you know, after the murder because I was a murder of their son and it's really inspiring to see how these people they can take something because it's not that his their son died bro their son was murdered cold blood and it's incredible to see how these people take something so ugly so horrible so tragic that happened in their lives and they're looking for that light they're trying to help other families who have gone through the same thing. They're trying to, you know, like, engage the community to promote social change. And that's amazing. Um, you know, Sabrina Fulton, Trayvon's mom, and Tracy Martin, Trayvon's dad, they put together this foundation. And actually, um, their other son, Javaris Fulton, is actually a really big part of this as well. They came together, they founded this foundation, and they're working together to do all these like community events and community outreach um initiatives and I think that's amazing. And and like I really admire them, man. And obviously and, and, and they've gotten together also with like the the families of other of other um victims of gun violence and victims of racially charged um, you know, violence, and so I think that's, like, really amazing that they're out there, they're putting their weight, and it's, like I said, it's pretty awe-inspiring, um, they do a few things, and it's down here in South Florida, like, it's, it's something that they have in South Florida, and, like, in Central Florida, too, because, you know, another layer to this whole Trayvon thing, too, is that this happened in our backyard, man, like, this happened here, so it's kind of crazy, it's, you know, you don't have to be a black person or a person of color to feel the pain of these parents. You don't have to be a mother or a father to feel the pain of these parents. So you don't have to be from Florida to feel that pain. Like It's, it's just like a crazy thing. Um, you know what happened to his family. But they're now trying to take that experience and, and bring some good out of it, you know? They, like, the foundation, they do a couple of things. They do Circle of Mothers, and then they also have Circle of Fathers, which is for, um, it's support groups for families of, of you know, of victims. Uh, for victims themselves and families of victims of, of gun violence. Um, they actually also, like, fund some scholarships they they do scholarships for um victims and and you know the family of victims lost to gun violence um or hurt by gun violence they also do stem scholarships which i think is super cool um they do like you know like toy drives school supply drives food drives they do like so many different things in the community here in florida so i think that's really awesome um my hat's off to them for being able to 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 find the light 
out of such a dark moment in their lives and I really encourage them I don't know if they you know if they would listen to this or if someone that you know lets them know that I'm thinking about them um or you know what have you how this message gets to them but um I really hope they know that there's people out here like moving with them um supporting them you know with prayers with donations because Look, I'm, you know, I'm a praying woman, but I also believe in the power of the dollar and the power of, of showing up. So, you know, yes, prayers are good, but <laughs> we need to, you know, put our money where our mouth is, um, and, and, you know, use our hands and, and our feet and help out, you know, some people you know, can donate their money, some people can donate their time, and so, you know, just do something, um, that's bigger than yourself, and, and you'll love it, and so, you know, I really encourage everybody this Black History Month to find different ways to engage, and to, to support one another, um, I hope, I'm hoping through this podcast, you know, that, like, we can all work together. Um, yeah, if you guys hear of anything happening, particularly here in Miami, but obviously if you want to, like, um, also highlight things that are happening in different parts of Florida, different parts of the country, um, for Black History Month, let me know. Reach out to me. Please feel free to reach out to me, and I'll, and I'll highlight it here. Um, I want everyone to, like, know what's going on locally. Um, you guys know how to hit me up, Snapchat, Instagram, you know what I mean? Um, you can also send in voice messages through the Anchor app. If you're listening on the Anchor app, you can send in voice messages to me. So there's different ways to reach out to me if you guys, um, you know, um, want to reach out and let me know if any events that are going on and I would be happy to share on here. Um... And like I said, let's let's remember to celebrate Black History Month. Thank you guys so much for everything that's been happening. Um, stay tuned. I have a special little um, poem I want to share with you guys. So thank you everybody for listening as always. Stay tuned for the poem. Hey guys, I just wanted to end um, today's episode with this amazing poem um, written by Langston Hughes, you know, during the Harlem Renaissance area. Um, one thing I want you guys to keep in mind about this poem is that it was written in 1935 and published in 1936. Okay, like, I mean, almost 100 years ago. Very close, not quite, but almost. And so, um, it was, like, especially impactful for me. And so I just want to share this um, with you guys. Thank you for joining me tonight, um, you know, today and always. Like, I really, um, you know, appreciate it. And like I said, let's get out there and, like, let's celebrate our people. Let's do our thing. So, without further ado, let America be America again by Langston Hughes. Let America be America again. Let it be the dream it used to be. Let it be the pioneer on the plain, seeking a home where he himself is free. America was never America to me. Let America be the dream, the dreamers dreamed. Let it be that great, strong land of love where never kings connive nor tyrants scream that any man be crushed by one above. It was never America to me. Oh, let my land be a land where liberty is crowned with no false patriotic wreath, but opportunity is real and life is free. Equality is in the air we breathe. There's never been equality for me, nor freedom in this, quote, homeland of the free. Say, who are you who mumbles in the dark? And who are you that draws your veil across the stars?
I am the poor white, fooled and pushed apart. I am the Negro bearing slavery scars. I am the red man driven from the land. I am the immigrant clutching the hope I seek and finding only the same old stupid plan of dog eat dog of mighty crush the weak. I am the young man full of strength and hope, tangled in that ancient endless chain of Profit, power, gain of grab the land, of grab the gold, of grab the ways of satisfying need, of work the men, of take the pay, of owning everything for one's own greed. I am the farmer, bondsman to the soil. I am the worker sold to the machine. I am the Negro servant to you all. I am the people, hungry, humble, mean. Hungry yet today, despite the dream. Beaten yet today, oh pioneers, I am the man who never got ahead. The poorest worker bartered through the years. Yet I'm the one who dreamt our basic dream. In the old world, while still a surf of kings. Who dreamt a dream so strong, so brave, so true. That even yet its mighty daring sings. In every brick and stone, in every furrow turned, that's made America the land it has become. Oh, I'm the man who sailed those early seas in search of what I meant to be my home. For I'm the one who left dark Ireland's shore and Poland's plain and England's grassy lea and torn from black Africa's strand, I came to build a homeland of the free. The free? Who said the free? Not me. Surely not me. The millions on relief today? The millions shot down when we strike? The millions who have nothing for our pay? For all the dreams we've dreamed, and all the songs we've sung, and all the hopes we've held, and all the flags we've hung. The millions who have nothing for our pay, except the dream that's almost dead today. Oh, let America be America again. The land that has never been yet and yet must be the land where every man is free. The land that's mine, the poor man's, Indians, Negroes, me who made America, whose sweat and blood, whose faith and pain, whose hand at the foundry, whose plow in the rain, must bring back our mighty dream again. Sure, call me any ugly name you choose. The steel of freedom does not stain. From those who live like leeches on the people's lives, we must take back our land again, America. Oh yes, I say it plain. America never was America to me. And yet I swear this oath, America will be. Out of the rack and ruin of our gangster death, the rape and rot of graft and stealth and lies, we the people must redeem. The land, the mines, the plants, the rivers, the mountains, and the endless plain, all, all the stretch of these great green states and make America again.